Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your life? And your family, Rocket Can. All right, I uh, did want to do a golf session tonight. We just kind of put the wraps on the season, and we got the major Ryder Cup coming up next week. And you know, whenever I want to talk golf, I tap into my best golf guy. You know him from the Golf Channel, and his reporting there, his syndicated show, Fairways of Life, which is available basically everywhere, uh, is Matt Adams here with us on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, M.A.? I'm doing okay, Joni Mac, calling you uh, from Ireland today. Welcome. No, welcome to you for the show. And uh, are you over there working? Are you enjoying? I know you're yeah. having at least a cold one, but uh, what took you across the pond? Yeah, not so cold one, actually. But I was I was over here for a couple of tournaments, and we wrapped up today. So going on while I'm speaking to you is the big banquet upstairs where they're doing all the, you know, the speeches and all that jazz. So I snuck away down here to the locker room so we could talk golf and it's been awesome. It's just fantastic. It's so great to be able to get back here again. All right. Quickie. And I didn't plan on asking you this one. I went to uh, England and Ireland on a golfing sojourn 30 years ago. And oh. I, I actually did play Bally Bunyan, which is one of the best courses on the planet I walked off after 16 because I ran out of balls. I had just lost too many. I said, I'm not playing anymore. See you at the 19th hole. But it was a hell of a lot of fun. Have you ever played Bally Bunyan? That's where I'm calling you from. Really? Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm at Bally Bunyan. I'm a, I'm a member at Bally Bunyan. That's, that's why I'm here. Oh, I was there, as I say, over 30 years ago. And there are probably still some of my balls spread out across that course because <laughs> I've lost I as many as today. Yeah, you might very well have. All right, uh, let's bring it back here to the U.S. I got the Ryder Cup coming up next week. Just on a calendar note, do you consider this the start of the next season, or is this the finale of this year's golf season? No, it's definitely the start. The The season that was was a massive season that included six major championships. Obviously, it was all because of what was going on with COVID that the last season was this super season that we all suspect, and I guess in some ways hope will never happen again. Right. But a few years ago, the PGA Tour decided that they were going to go to a wrap-around season. And I think some people still struggle with it because they think of golf on a calendar year and that with the turning of the page from one year to another, we start a new golf season. But, I mean, if you look at the NBA, if you look at the NHL, look at, look at the NFL, look at how many major sports leagues have seasons that go from one calendar year into the next calendar year that culminate with their grand finales, whatever they are for that respective sport. So it's just something that people have to have to get used to. I think people are also a little bit taken aback at times because the so-called off season is so short, 
But when you consider that you have players coming from the Corn Ferry Tour that have earned their way onto the PGA Tour, you have PGA Tour players that had lost their card because of, of substandard performance, frankly, but then they went back down and earned their cards back uh, through the Corn Ferry Tour finals. More players off the Corn Ferry Tour earning their cards as well through the finals. This is a great time of year where you get to see a lot of young players, not all of them. Uh, John Rahm played this week at the Fortinet and missed the cut. But you get to see a lot of young players that you will come to know. They will, a, a certain percentage of them, small percentage though it may well be, but a percentage will become superstars in the game. And it gives us a chance to kind of see them compete early on before everything gets really crazy. I did check the calendar coming up for what, quote-unquote, is the start of the season. They're all over the place. Vegas, Japan, China, Bermuda, yep. Mexico, and the Houston Open, wasn't that at a different time during the year? Did they move the Houston Open to specifically get it up closer to the beginning of the season? Yeah, what's happening is that, you know, the music's playing and there's all many, so, only so many seats because now you've got new strategic alliances between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So if you look at, for example, the Scottish Open, Scottish Open on the European Tour is now a sanctioned event on the PGA Tour. So if you go down the hierarchy of events in the world of golf, majors are number one. There's four of them. Then you've got the players. Then you've got World Golf Championships. Then arguably you've got invitationals. Then you've got what? Tournaments that are important to particular players because of where they live, where they grew up, where they got to start, where they got a sponsor's exemption, et cetera, et cetera. As you start to mix all of that in, it gets harder and harder for players, particularly the top players who are the guys that everybody wants at their event. It's hard for them to choose where they're going to play. And after a while, the music stops and somebody's going to lose out. And we see it happen year in and year out. For example, I, I mentioned one of the invitationals. One of those is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And you'll see players that will play an event and do well in an event and be there every year, but then the next they can't because they just can't fit it all in. I happen to think that's why we, we're seeing an uptick in injuries from players because a lot of it is about money, frankly, yes, but whatever the, the motivation is, the players are playing so much more than they've ever played before that you're seeing more injuries because of the level of preparation that they have to go through and practice that they have to go through in order to be successful in the world golf stage nowadays because there are just so many exceptionally good players. Well, this year is now in the books, and looking back, it's kind of hard to determine at least uh, the second player. I know who I think what the player of the year was, and I'm hoping that you agree with me, but who was second player? Hideki wins the Masters, Phil with the great story of the PGA, Rom takes the U.S., and I think he's the runaway best player of the year. Morikawa wins the Open. You get Cantlay wins the FedEx at the end of the year. Shoffley takes down a gold medal Damn, a bunch of golfers had very good years. How did they rank in your mind starting off 21 into 22? Uh, well, I, it's absolutely John Rahm in my mind. But I, I just yep. to pause for a second on the synopsis that you put together, because that illustrated what I was talking about earlier. This was a massive year, full stop. And because they're trying to jam so much in there to get back to where we were, to get things back on a normal scale, Think about what we just had. You know, we had you know, Bryson DeChambeau win a U.S. Open in there, too. You had Dustin Johnson win a Masters in there as well. It's crazy when you think back 
on a time frame that really wasn't that long that there was so much stuff in there. But having said all that, yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that right now the global player is John Rahm. Uh, it's a little interesting how often he's been ill. I mean, obviously he had a six shot lead at the Memorial and then he was told he tested positive for COVID. Uh, he was unable to p- compete at the Olympics because uh, in the testing, which, which, which experts tell me is more of a reflection of a shedding, your body shedding of the COVID, which is why he tested positive. He actually was not uh, contagious at that time, according to the experts and my sources. Uh, but nonetheless, he couldn't go because that's how strictly they were watching it to ensure that they wouldn't have a, an outbreak in, in, the, in the villages or what have you. So with all of that, I think that if John Rahm had been able to fully spread his wings and fly as far and as high as he wanted to, that he would have been easily far and away the player of the year. So what's interesting, too, with that is that I'm curious if you feel the same way. I get a sense from John Rahm, we all know he's an emotional guy and a fiery guy and a highly intelligent guy and massively talented, but I also think he channels the chip. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think that the sense that somehow either by a twist of fate or somebody making a, a series of good putts, however you want to define it, he sees himself as being denied things that he had a right to have not that not that he was a victim of anything but just to say oh no no I was that close and now I'm going to get even that's that's the kind of guy I think he is I think he very much channels that and it's very powerful as as a motivating factor I agree wholeheartedly with you but I don't think he starts to feel that way till after the Riders Cup next week but uh we'll get to that (laughs) we'll get to that one in a second because yes he's playing for the other side we're talking to our buddy Matt Adams from the Golf Channel and his syndicated show Fairways of Life here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, one guy we haven't mentioned yet is a guy who in some ways is like Rom, but in other ways is very different, and that's Bryson DeChambeau. He might grab more attention than anyone else on the tour, and he hung in a lot of tournaments this year. He only won one. Well, Arnie's way back in March, so it's been a long time between drinks of water. Yes, I know they had to carry over from last year, which would give him a major within, quote-unquote, last year, but it was the calendar year the year before. Where does DeChambeau sit in your mind Coming up for the next year, I guess we should start by uh, just talking about him individually in a Writers' Cup. And is he someone who can compete with all those other guys? What did this year do for Bryson DeChambeau in your analysis? Well, again, to go back to something that you just mentioned, Jody Mack, he is the show. When he comes in town, the traveling circus that is the PGA Tour, Bryson is in the center ring. Everybody wants to see him. I think there's actually a disconnect between the Bryson that I guess, guess for lack of a better way to phrase it, the Bryson that we think we know, uh, which is the the Bryson that is, you know, heavily criticized in social media. People like to take shots at him and, and, you know, the guys that were calling him Brooksy at the events because they knew it would bother him, et cetera, et cetera, all of that that goes on with Bryson. But when you're at an event and you see the way that people seek out Bryson, they want to see this show. They want to see, you know, the strong man in the circus. And he is that. He is the strong man. When you mentioned about the mind, I've always felt the same way about Bryson DeChambeau. It does not matter whether we understand or whether we agree or whether we believe in what Bryson DeChambeau is saying. What is important 
in my view, is that he believes in what he's doing and saying. And when he does, he channels that. I do also think, however, that his world is a delicate one. And I think he needs to have the correct balance to make sure that everything is firing for him. Uh, I don't think the, the, the caddy change doesn't seem like it's been a huge uh, success for him as yet. Uh, his old caddy, Tim, was really good at working out things, crazy things that, again, that I'm not asking anyone to agree with or even understand about you know air density and its impact on golf ball flight and distance and control and things of that nature that he was so heavily involved in. And I, I don't, it was interesting because at the, at the open this year at Royal St. George's, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the question and answer, but a, a journalist asked Bryson, why are you disliked? And Bryson said, again, paraphrasing, I don't know. He said, I'm kind to people. I'm a nice person. I don't know. And it was, it, I thought it was so telling that I think Bryson is still trying to figure out that piece. Where does he fit from the standpoint? I think when he came out, and, and again, I'm not going to criticize him for this because, because this is the world that he's living in. He was cast as a star in one of the, the, the world's major sports. And I think he automatically thought, hey, that I'm an entertainer. He spoke about that often. Remember when the cameraman was following him and he followed him up after he was angry and they kept the camera on him. He said, you know, you're damaging my brand. And he tried to say afterwards, saying, hey, I'm out here entertaining you guys and, and there should be a quid pro quo. And I don't think fans look at it that way. They don't look at it and go, you know, I don't see you as, as uh, whoever, Lady Gaga on the stage and <laughs> you're going to, you know, closing uh, – song and, and an encore and we don't care if you go back and yell at the people that were helping you uh, you know with your wardrobe it's not the same with sports so uh, i i think that that's been kind of a learning curve for bryson uh, he, he's a complicated guy and i think some of those complications i guess be just because of his age i don't think he's quite figured it out yet to be honest but my sense is jody mack is that Today, in particular, I think it's all athletes in all sports, but but in golf as well, there is what I call a cult of personality. And that means that you have a team of people around you, yes, but oftentimes that team is, they have a vested interest in what you do because they are, in, in essence, employees. And so it's hard for a young player who has a lot coming at them, even if it's their nature to be to put themselves out there like he did and say he was going to change the game, et cetera. It's hard to ha have someone in their life that can put their arm around their shoulder and go, maybe you want to think about the way you phrased that or, or did this or did that. It's just, it's difficult. And I think that's, that's hard for all players, but I think it's hitting Bryson particularly hard right now. Well, the spotlight's only going to get brighter for him this upcoming season. He is going to have to deal with that. All right, he's going to have to deal with the Riders' Cup this week, which I double-checked the odds right before I punched you up. The U.S. is a pretty heavy favorite in this matchup versus them and the European team. Uh, Europe has certainly got the better of them of late. Last time, Riders' Cup two years ago, it was kind of lopsided. Why do you think the U.S. is not only favored, but somewhat heavily favored here? Well, they do it because of the, the rankings, and they do it because of the depth of the field, and they do it because they look at the U.S. side and say, geez, you got all these rookies on the team, but then you start to look at the so-called rookies on the team, and they've got stout credentials. Some of them have already competed in President's Cups, et cetera. So I understand why that happens. I'm always just suspect that it does happen. Everyone focuses. Now, again, I'm calling you right now from Europe. 
And over here, I'm being told by everybody that, oh, we're going to get crushed. We're being the European team is what they're referring to. We're going to get crushed here. We're going to get crushed. We're going to get crushed. And I scratch my head and say, why do you say that? Why do you feel that? You're talking about 24 of the best players in the world. We have the, we have the Dell Technologies match play on the PGA Tour World Golf Championship event where they seed the top players, just like the NCAAs, right? And you could hear you say, well, from the player that's number 64 in the world to the player that's number one in the world, it's, it's a hair thin in terms of talent and performance from one to the other. Just look at the results in, in an event like that. And here we're talking about 24 players, and we're going to assert in, in advance that one team has a distinctive. I mean, the odds are like two to one for the American oh, team, yeah. one to two for, for Europe that, no, the American team is that heavily favored. Really? The team that seemingly keeps getting beat? I mean, I was there at La Golf National during, during the broadcast, and it was a little different. Now, I watched one player after another on the U.S. side refuse to adjust their approach to the golf course, meaning that they got up there and they wanted to smash their driver, and this golf course was set up with very thick penal roughs specifically to say, well, if the Yanks are a little bit off aim, they're going to find their golf ball mired in some really deep, deep rough. And you know what? They did. I can't even, rem- I don't remember what the number was, but I saw many holes, one with pars. Think about that for a second. So what I expect we're going to see at Whistling Straits is you're going to see a shaved down golf course as much as they can. However, as much as they can is the critical point. There are 1,200, yes, you heard me correctly, 1,200 Sandy areas, call them bunkers, if you please, at Whistling Straits. There's only so much you can do to protect for a wayward drive, which the U.S. side is subject to. So I think it's it's really interesting that, you know, you, the, the home captain can set up a golf course any way they want to and set it up as, to, to suit his team's abilities. I'm not sure how much Whistling Straits can be set up uh, to, to make it wide open and just make it a bomber's paradise. We'll see. And this year's uh, captain, Mr. Stricter, is going to have to try and figure it out. As you mentioned, six rookies on the U.S. team. Now, they're very well-known rookies. Scheffler and Shoffley and Berger and Harris and Morikawa, who's already won two majors. So they're not wet behind the ears rookies. But the European team only has three rookies, one of which, Victor Hoblin, I'm a big fan of. Lowry is a very young guy who's already done some winning. Uh, how much is experience a plus for the Europeans coming into this one because they've had so many guys that have already played in the event. Yeah, it is an interesting contract, isn't it? Because, on again, on paper, and everyone seems to be reacting on paper, and, and my whole message here is the Ryder Cup isn't competed on paper. Uh, and, and if you look at it from an American side, as you just noted, when you've got rookies on both sides, Colin Morikawa is a multiple-time major champion. Okay, he's a Ryder Cup rookie. Shane Lowry is a Ryder Cup rookie. He is a major champion. So, I, I, you know, I just don't buy that part of it. Uh, the, it's, the parts that are, I think, more compelling to me are the, the level of maturity between the sides. If you look at the, the European side, look at, look at uh, Padraig Harrington's captain's picks. Sergio Garcia, Shane Lowry. Ian Poulter. Okay, so Shane Shane's the rookie, but he's he's no kid. He's not just cutting his teeth. Lee Westwood qualified for the team. So from that standpoint, in spots, you've got a European team that is, by golfing terms, at least at this level on tour, 
They're old guys. Okay, well, you got the old guys on that side, and you've got a team on Jim Furyk, or, or no, I beg your pardon, on, on Steve Stricker's side, which I think was built and put together for team chemistry. I think that team is all about, in a sense, who do we want here? Because I also think that Steve Stricker had, a, had an embarrassment of riches in terms of who we put on that team from a, from a captain's pick perspective. We could, we could sit here and talk about players that he didn't put on the team, and you could come up with six players that are every bit as good as the ones that he did. And I don't mean that to disparage. I mean that as a compliment to everyone involved. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see how much does the real deep veteran contingency on the European side with Sergio with 10 prior appearances and the all-time points leader for the European side at the Ryder Cup or Ian Poulter, who's been there seven times. You've got these guys like that in like Westwood, as I mentioned, where they have such deep, deep well of experience. And they happen to have been the core of teams that had by majority been beating the United States. Then on the other side, you've kind of got the old guard that's been pushed out, at least as players, right? They're still there as vice captains, but not as players. And what will this new, young, fresh blood mean for Team USA? Like, you know, I have great hopes and, and expectations for Scotty Scheffler. You've got these players that you just don't think, you know, again, Xander Shawfee that you're talking about. Yeah, it comes down to putting a lot in, in these things. But there's also the perspective where people talk a lot about, you know, scar tissue, the memories of, of the things that weren't accomplished. I'm not sure uh, if, that's, if that's going to be an issue with Team USA this time. Very interesting. All right. You know, I, whenever I have you on, I always ask you to make a pick. And it's not fair because you're picking between uh, one guy to win out of a field of 90 on uh, majors and any week on the PGA Tour. And you're always getting the favorite is six or seven or eight to one. This is a real easy one. You're either taking the favorite, Team USA, or you're taking the underdog, the Euro Squad. Which one are you taking in the uh, 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 big showdown next week at Whistling Straits? There's a third option, Jody Mack. Oh, are you going a draw? If you hit that one, I'll give you more credit than I've ever given you credit before. I actually do think that that's a very real possibility. In fact, I think that's the most likely. But as I mentioned to you, I'm not buying it that the European team is at some sort of deficit coming in to, to the awesome power of Team USA. And I'm not buying it that Team USA is going to crumble under the weight of their performances of late against uh, the almighty European teams. I think both teams are incredibly stacked. I think this is going to be one of the most compelling and exciting and competitive Ryder Cups ever. That's how good these players are on both sides. And when you have that level of parity, when you have these heavyweights standing toe-to-toe just throwing haymakers, I very much think it's, it's possible. And, and to this context and the specific question you asked, I think it's probable that it's going to end in a draw. And if that's the case, remember, Euro gets to keep it because a tie goes to the previous winner, which last time was Team Europe. Well, we don't know if it's going to be a cold one, a warm one. Pretty damn sure it's going to be a thick one. Uh, I will let get you get back to whatever adult beverage you're going to have upstairs in the clubhouse there at Charlie Bunyan. You know what it's going to be. (laughs) As I said, it's going to be thick. That's a given. Uh, Go enjoy (laughs) the thickness of it. Uh, Safe travels back here to the U.S. Have a good time at Whistling Straight next week. Thanks, Jody Max. See ya.
That is Matt Adams of the Golf Channel, as good as it gets when you're talking about talking golf here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, ran long, need to get a break in. We come back, we reopen the phones, 855-212-4227. Jody Mack on CBS Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 